so uh, I was coming from the bank, you know, I had to deposit like a hundred grand a day because I'm just rich, and uh, you know, bought a new Tesla. Uh, you ain't making about... shit, <laughs> <laughs> man. Listen. This is a very special episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. What? Uh, we're we know that uh, if you haven't heard already. Wait, we're uh, really live. We are really live, sir. Uh, you gotta stay with us. Come on, keep snapping. I'm here. Stay I'm on here. point. I'm here. I'm on point. On clock. On, on clock, Richie. Wait, wait. What? Did, what was the line? It was uh, you, you get back on clock, Richie. Do you remember that? Wait, what is that from? Dust till dawn. When oh, Quentin yeah. Tarantino, it's, it's Jesus. been a minute since Qu- I've yeah, seen Quentin that. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino, when what's his face, you know, because Quentin Tarantino's character is a fucking pervert in there. He's just like oh, staring at every staring girl, at and he tells face. him get back on clock, Richie. And he's like, what? How many? And he like tells him like it's like five or six. Like, uh, oh, okay. Oh, Jesus okay. Christ, that was like the first like major horror movie. <laughs> yeah, we I've seen together. that movie like ten plus years ago. <laughs> Wait, recently? You haven't seen it recently? Oh. Well, I mean, you watched the the recent debacle that they uh, came up with in terms of like trying to re- relaunch it. Wasn't that on? El- Oh, you told me it was terrible. Oh, no, God. it was on Netflix. It was on Netflix. It was on oh, Netflix. God, that was an abomination. I watched the first episode and I was like, I'm done. Oh, God. All right. Well, uh, here we are, guys. This is a very special episode. Uh, this is another bonus round, uh, but there's only a bonus because we're going to get a chance to memorialize and is, celebrate. Is it? Is it a bonus or is it more just like Hall of Fame? This is episode number 65. It needs a a bigger title. Mm. Mm. This is an iconic episode. Iconic episode? Iconic. If I had uh, Jaden Smith's music, (laughs) I'd play it in the background. Because this man definitely deserves the icon icon status. Yes, I agree a thousand percent that he definitely uh, deserves that. The man, the stand, the man that we're talking about here is Stan Lee. Uh, If you haven't heard already, um, you know Stan Lee did pass on and on to Valhalla, and uh, he is no longer with the with the living, but he is uh, his legacy still lives on, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Through through everything, and this man lived to be ninety five years old, which is a blessing. Man, look, let me tell you something. If I get to that age, please let me keep living because I want I want to live the life that this guy lived. I know I, he had look, some hardships towards the end, but... Man, uh, I don't even have underwear that lasts me like <laughs> a year sometimes. So the fact that this man lived hey, look, man, we 90 don't know, plus know years. your personal business oh. about your underwear. I don't know. 90 plus years, that is definitely a blessing. That's a blessing, man. Uh, so... We went, well, first thing we're going to do, we got a couple of uh, little segments here we're going to uh, do to sort of celebrate the life of uh, Stan Lee, because that's what this is all about, really celebrating the legacy that was left behind. Uh, nor There's no way that this guy could have imagined that he would create uh, the... the our, our childhood. Our childhood, you know, from, from comics to now live-action movies, uh, everything that, you know, we know and love about Marvel at this point. He did not create... Solo, but he did work with some of the greatest uh, comic book writers and uh, artists like Jack Kirby of all time, Bashimi, you name it, uh, all the greats. Um, and what we're going to talk about today uh, is pretty much our personal experiences with meeting Stan. Like, how many times have you met Stan? Once. It's once. Uh, oh, I remember this. Uh, saw do you, him. Do you want to take us, well, take I us saw, back? I saw him two times. But only met him, like, only was in the same room with the man once. Wait, let me ask you this. I don't know if you remember this, but, well, I'm pretty sure you do remember this. But if you remember that we drove over to New York for New York Comic Con and was outside for at 
probably two, three o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, trying to get in for Stan Lee. See, no, that was the day that uh, I remember we found out there was a meet and greet with him that mm-hmm. was going to be at like ten o'clock. Free in the of morning. charge. So we had the, the elaborate idea. Ha ha! We'll get there before the crowd. So we drove <laughs> over there like fucking two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. only to find there were only there were already like three hundred people in line already who literally never left Comic Con and were just like uh in sleeping bags in line and then we made it like i think three or four people to the front door and then they cut it off so yep. fuck you whoever that was because i could have <laughs> met stan lee that time back then too but, well you know. I-, I won't say fuck you because i know you were doing a job <laughs> uh so thank you ronnie but uh what i will say is that uh that was the first time now what i'm trying to ask you was i cannot remember but was that the same year that we actually did meet him or was that uh, a separate actually year? i think it was the same year we, we met him because um we were we were somewhere in the vendor area at Comic Con. I think this was 2008, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But I overheard someone else who was getting like some book CGC say that there was a signing with Sam Lee, but you had to pay like fifty dollars or whatever. Yeah, actually, it was twenty bucks. I remember that. Oh yeah, okay, twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. And then I remember like, holy shit, well, we just got to do that. So we paid and we waited in line and almost peed my pants and we finally met the guy but taking it way back to when you stand in that horrific line when you first enter comic-con <laughs> they had actually escorted stanley inside when we first got there and i remember this because stanley was walking through the middle of the crowd and someone shouted you're the man stan and then he said you damn right i am because that was Stanley. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, uh, Stan was a little bit on the shady side, but also very, very confident. Like, he was a sales guy. Um, and, you know, he was... I, I honestly believe that he really uh, had to... You know, he is the godfather of fandom. Like, what we know and love today in terms of meet and greets, you know, pretty much having artists as, like, rock stars, uh, selecting a side or choosing a side when it comes to comics, yeah. uh, I think that all, you know, really belongs to, to him. He's a guy that I feel like really started that because he had, you know, the Mary Marvel, you know, uh, army, and he had uh, so many other things that he promoted where it's just like, make mine Marvel. And this wasn't it wasn't about... Uh, specifically, you know, saying that, oh, is it going to be DC or Marvel? It's like, no, he was Marvel all the way. And I just, I find it interesting. Do you know the story behind um, how Fantastic Four uh, came to be? Like how he... Uh, uh, no. So, Please uh, explain. just to give a quick little, um, if you don't know this story already, uh, if you've heard it before, then, you know, I'm going to repeat, uh, re- repeating something you already know, so just listen in. But for anybody who doesn't know out there, uh, there was a time where Stan was ready to quit. Um, and this was where, you know, Marvel used to be timely comics. And he was ready to quit, and they were just like, you know what, he's not letting me, this may sound familiar to you, Ronnie, but they're not letting me do what I want to do while I'm working at this job. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do this one last good story and I'm going to like hand it in and say, fuck them, you know, take this story, shove it up their ass. That story was Fantastic Four. And the Marvel Universe was born at that point because the first family of Marvel became a sensational hit. And he had to continue to, you know, write that and work with artists to come up with something. Um, so and basically in, what you're saying is if Stanley didn't have an asshole for a boss, we <laughs> may not be here today. 
you, talking in praises about this awesome dude. You you are goddamn right when you so say that. So then we have to give a honorable shout out to Stanley's old boss. Thank you for being such a dickhead <laughs> that you inspired this guy to go on and just become this iconic legend who brought us so many awesome characters and memories. And don't forget about his quotes because like I, I got a couple because I wrote some down. It's just one quote that quote sure, that this let's, guy let's did once, which is, it. "Life is never completely without its challenges," and that's like super simple. But like, I don't know. I feel like it, it gives me that Optimus Prime feeling. Like, dude, who? Like, you you can't. I don't know. You you can't write this stuff. This guy came up with some pretty awesome stuff. I I agree with that a thousand percent. When you really think about it, um, there are some challenges you will face. I think a lot of times the things that you will, and not to, you know, get all philosophical or jump up on a soapbox here because they're not really what we do, but I think this is just a time to just, you know, think about, you know, even his most famous quote, which is, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, that quote, I think, really speaks to us as a as a country as a as a species like we should make sure that like if we're given the opportunity or we're given a platform to be able to be higher than someone else then that we should reach our hand out and help those even if they're not directly connected to us we're all connected because we're all a part of the human race uh, and that's it for me i'm just gonna you know get off my soapbox did you, there did you know i didn't know that uh, uh, did you know what excelsior meant no, I actually didn't. So I, I looked this up, of course, but I did not know that excelsior is an old word that means upward and onward to greater glory. Really? It's wow. On, it's on the seal of the state of New York. Keep moving forward, and if it's time to go, it's time. Nothing lasts forever. Excelsior. And I'm like, I, Holy did, shit, I that, did not know that. So that like, right there culminates. man was dripping with positivity, and even in the darkest hour, you know, you just make good as best you can and keep moving forward i, I want to read one more quote which is funny because we talk about this all the time about like uh celebrities who don't stop for their fans or whatever when it comes to autographs or pictures this is a stanley quote that he you know came up with himself which is if there are people who like the work you're, you've done because of that they like you and want your autograph and to take a photo that's really gratifying you have to be appreciative I just think oh, that's man. pretty ironic when we always talk about that all the time because we, I, there we are de- plenty of stars who are not always appreciated. We debate that all the time, and I, and I think you're absolutely right. There are a lot of there are quite a few people who you know are not necessarily. I won't say that they're not deserving of the fame that they've got because they did something you know in some way to get there. Uh, but just thinking back to Stan's quote, I think that. He, Never, I, I can say this right here and now. Um, if we ever get to that that level uh, where we have people who are standing outside waiting to get something signed, get a selfie Especially with us. Especially in the wintertime. Especially in the wintertime. Um, you know, please, by all means, like, you know, stop me and, you know, I'll be happy to take a picture or do anything. And I say for that. For the right price. For the, oh, my God. <laughs> you're like, you say that now. You're going to be like, oh, you got to catch me at a convention, no, you bro. you know what's funny? Nah, I'm just joking. Just, on a, just on, a, on, a, on a side note, this is what's, this is what's hilarious. And you, you, you have to think about how you over the years you do change. And, you know, we'll get back to Stan. But just a side note. 
you used to say a little while ago we used to work on a comic and that comic will be returning very shortly guys uh how does vibe work in a retail we used to work together on a, a very you know successful run of an indie comic and back in the day when we first started with the book Everywhere we went when we were selling this book, I was whipping out my Sharpie, signing this book for anybody who was purchasing it because I was so grateful. And I remember Ronnie saying, like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Like, you can't sign every book that comes over. I said what I exactly said, which I remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember I only I signed the book if someone asked me to sign it. I just didn't want to sign it just to be signing it because I'm like, well, who knows if I ever do blow up. I mean, my signature would be worth something if I don't sign every book. Yeah, I, I get that. I just find it interesting later on that years later when you you meet celebrities and now you're just like, they don't stop. You know, they're well, just like, I mean, well, like, who else, where's your soul if, you know, if you, if, you know, if you do that kind of thing? I agree. But, you know, back to Stan, I, I, I. What do you think? Um, this is this is sort of a loaded question, but you know, I think I, I I feel you're up to the task. What do you think has know. been the most so um, rewarding experience that you've got from what Stan Lee has brought to the world? Like, as for your life, as as a as well, a, I guess I'm gonna take this back to the beginning because, like uh, we were discussing before we uh, started recording, was I'm pretty sure that I discovered these characters before I discovered Stan Lee. You know, Stan Lee was the man behind these characters. I knew Hulk, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, you know, X-Men, and a slew of others. I don't really think that I... And I knew these about these characters since I was about, like, four or five years old. But I don't think that I knew anything about the man who created them until I got into at least seven or eight, seventh or eighth grade. And I believe that was around the time. And this is like a funny combination because, like, I love Stan Lee. And there's another guy I love, Kevin Smith. And one of the first times that I ever saw Stan Lee was in a Kevin Smith movie, which was Mallrats. <laughs> and I'm like, and they had these scenes in Mallrats. Uh, there's a character, Brody, if you've ever seen the movie, and he's having relationship trouble. Mm-hmm. And this old guy with glasses comes up in a scene where Brody's looking through a window, and um, and he's giving him, like, you know, advice about relationships and stuff. And then Brody's like, holy shit, you're Stan Lee or whatever. And he's talking about, you created the great Spider-Man, this person, that person. And I'm like, he did? Really? And then, like, I think I, like, looked him up online after that. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy is the guy who created, like, Fantastic Four and all of these people. And I'm like, it was then that I'm like, I was connected with Stan Lee. So it's funny because I am a huge Kevin Smith fan. So if I'm really going all out, I'm guessing Kevin Smith introduced me to Stan Lee. I think that's the case, and, and everybody, you know, uh, if you haven't checked it out already, definitely check out uh, Ke- Kevin Smith's and uh, Mark Bernardin's Fat Man Beyond episode where they uh, also talk about Stan Lee. Um, you know, oh, because did they Kevin, do that? yeah, oh, I didn't even uh, hear that. Yeah, they, they talked. They talked about him. You know, and it, he meant so much. Uh, I didn't realize that Kevin Smith actually knew him for he was 23 to, years. He was supposed to be in the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, and literally. Yeah. Uh, they did. They if you ever if you can look this up on YouTube, but uh, at the San Diego Comic Con, the last one that literally just happened, mm-hmm. um, St- uh, Kevin Smith interviewed Stanley, and he did a little improv with the scene, 
and you know, uh, Stan Lee has a oh, great on the job. IMDb boat. Yeah, yeah. And he has a great personality where he was saying like uh, in the in the scene, uh, Stan Lee was supposed to. He didn't know where, how to get to Comic Con, and he was asking Silent Bob how to get to Comic Con. You see where the humor comes into that because mm-hmm. Silent Bob doesn't say anything. And then the, in the in the during the skit. Kevin Smith says that like Stanley asked, uh, Stanley asked Silent Bob how to get to Comic Con, and then this is all Silent Bob does. He just says like that way, and he <laughs> and then Stanley was like, "Well, you get to do more than I do. Like you get to act a little more with the hand movements and the gestures." And he was like, "What about the other guy? What about Jay?" And he was like, "Give me, let me do that scene with Jay because then I'll get more dialogue to say." <laughs> that's actually that actually makes a lot of sense. I think that's uh, that was one of the funny things they mentioned on the episode. Uh, Kevin Smith said was um, he, he the the fact that he almost like always remembered Kevin's name, but he never remembered Jason Mewes. He's like, "Hey, Kevin," and he saw Jay, and he's like, "Hey, you." You know, hey. he knew who he was, but he just never remembered. Even though his name is really simple, it's just Jay. Yeah, but I mean, I do that with regular friends. So. Absolutely. I think for me, for Stan Lee, um, I think my first introduction to Stan Lee was uh, via comics, of course. And I think I saw, I used to actually read uh, Stan, the, the little section in the back of the book where Stan used to, you know, talk about the book that you're, you're, uh, you're reading which and is, talk about which all these stories. To make, which is slowly making a comeback in comics because there are, are some artists now who are doing that again. Yeah. Have the, John Lehman, I know, is one. And uh, I think Robert Kirkman does that too. I don't remember. There's a couple of other guys that do that too, but yeah. But I think that's where I started to go. Uh, oh, Stan Lee. Now, the interesting thing is that again, because both me and Ronnie are old farts, but uh, we we. I'm not old. I'm only about 23. Uh, so that means that you wouldn't remember uh, st- all the things you're talking about because uh, yeah, so <laughs> your lies okay, don't okay. make sense. So. Okay. Uh, so for me, I think Stanley re- meant so much in terms of uh, there was a face, there was somebody who created uh, these particular comics. And for me, you know, nowadays in, in 2018, yeah, it's really cool to, you know, be a nerd. Like, literally in this day and age, you can walk into a high school and the jocks are sitting around talking about the Infinity oh, yeah. War. Man, I used to get beat up by those jocks when I was in school. Yeah, you had to hide being a nerd. You, back then. you hid being a nerd. And I think for me personally, uh, Stan Lee, you know, represented somebody who, who, in the world, actually, this guy made a living off of telling stories about these characters that I knew and loved. And and I think by the time I got to high school, because I was such an uber nerd uh, when it came to all the comics, and I used to read them all, and I remember uh, my first experience of like using my own money with my summer job, and the first first big thing that I ever bought, uh, I remember this to, to this day, was uh, a, uh, one of the Masterworks books. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I remember There was those. an old black and white, uh, I'm sorry, not old black and white, but it was a black and silver hardcover book of uh, Fantastic Four uh, from the first volume of Fantastic Four. Now, I wasn't the, the hugest fan of Fantastic Four when it came to the comics, but I just felt like, you know, if I was going to, you know, make the most expensive purchase I was going to make at the age of 12 or 13, uh, then it was definitely going to be that. And I was so proud of it. Um, and I remember... 
I had a uh, I had a summer job where uh, I sold candy. Oh, I remember that too. Yeah. That was uh, I think I used to make jokes about that. Like they're gonna kidnap you. Or yeah, something, cause it was like to, some company I, that I won't mention you the up. company's name, but I think I was my first job. I was like about eleven or twelve, and I used to ride on a van. And I lived in you know the urban area, and they take us to the suburbs, and we basically would go door to door selling candy. Now in this day and age, you're probably not gonna be able to do you that. Probably won't do um, that just because people go to Walgreens and other places for the candy. Yeah, I used to sell candy door to door and what I would always do wherever I went I would always go and try to find when I was in another town uh, it was always within New Jersey and I would find the town and I would find the local comic shop I'd be excited I'd have my candy uh, I'd have my little cash from selling the candy and I'd go and I'd buy just some random comic it just had to have somebody you know somebody on it but randomly it always because this was you know some time ago it always had that little section there you know about blurb about Stan or you know I'd see books that say like Stan Lee presents you know and I know over the years if anybody knows you know Stan and Marvel he actually had to wind up suing Marvel many years later (laughs) Um, but that's a you know a different different day different time but you know just thinking about what kind of what Ronnie said um, you know the connection between this guy being the creator behind all of these things what it meant to me was that there was a path and there was a way to you know make these silly little things an actual life um and it wasn't until i got into high school and one of my um favorite art teachers uh mr seville actually uh introduced me to some of the deeper meanings behind a lot of the comics. Like, Wait a I, minute, take it back a second. Was I? They making me think about elementary school. Was Mr. D? Was he still the art teacher at the Street? He was. He was. Holy yeah. crap! Mr. D is my my uh, favorite art teacher would, of all time. How old would that guy be? I remember him. Like wow. Uh, I don't remember. Probably, I don't remember a lot of my teachers, but I remember him. Mr. D was a, a fantastic art art teacher that also back in my elementary school. Thank you for bringing him up because I cannot forget. Um, you know, he was always very supportive. Those times where, you know, I get bullied because of uh, having the comics, I'd go hide in the art room and sit in there, have my lunch, sit there with comics and stuff. And he's like, hey, you want to know how to draw these things? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And he just would sit there with me and, like, teach me, you know. The, the I, I actually remember getting suspended from summer camp once for stealing someone's Marvel comics. because they Because wow. they wouldn't let me read them, so I just stole them. I'll give you you one even better. I don't. I did. Don't. I didn't get suspended, but I do remember getting into a fight, and I still remember it to this day. It was uh, one of the uh, Maximum Carnage series of 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 Spider-Man, and I remember the cover to this day. Uh, It was the 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 famous cover where uh, Carnage is like ripping the uh, the Venom suit off of Eddie Brock, and I had that book. You know, I had it brand new at at that point. and I remember, you know, I let someone see it. I was on a little you know, school bus. We were coming back from a trip, and I passed it back for somebody to see the comic. I rarely ever let anybody touch my comics. But, uh, you know, I let somebody pa- I passed it back to them, and then all of a sudden I got this... Uh, I, I, I had this feeling like, okay, these people have my comic for way too long. So I turn around in my seat, and I'm looking back like, hey, where's my comic? And everybody's like, what comic? What are you talking about? 
And I'm like, oh, oh he got, got no. done got him. And I immediately like dived over the seat and started like, you know, grabbing on. I was a little guy, so I'm like just pushing up against one guy or whatever. And he just like rags me up and tosses me to the side. And like I was, you know, they were literally having to hold me back. I wasn't gonna do anything. I was just one of those guys who like, you know, you hold me back so it looks so I look really tough when I was younger. You know, I'm like, oh man, oh, that, let like, me that's, go. that's what I do oh. whenever I get into an argument with someone who's way taller and bigger than me. I'm like, oh, you better be lucky I'm here with my kids, man. Oh, because, man. oh they saved your life. <laughs> get in the car scared as hell. Like, Whoa, let's get out of here. So, I mean, for me, comics was... You know, uh, what what Stan created for us, uh, really, honestly, there would be no podcast. There would be, we would not be. Would we be so indulged in pop culture? No. Would I even love Kevin Smith? It's like, you know, like Kevin Smith was connected to comics as well because he talked about a lot of stuff, like Spider Man and stuff in his movies. So it's like, would so much stuff, if Stan Lee never exists, would it be another finger snap? Like, if, like yeah. would it? Would you erase yeah, a lot of stuff from the course of history? Oh, I would say pop culture would not be what it is today without someone like Stan Lee. Because, again, that self-promotion was, you know, people like Stan Lee were around way before your Mark Zuckerbergs or your Steve Jobs uh, or yeah, any of those guys, guys. Uh, who became face or celebrities when it came to their brands. You know, when you think about, you know, Microsoft, who immediately comes to mind? Uh, what's his name? Bill Gates. Exactly. So there's like that connection that of like now, granted he's not the first to ever do that, but I do think that he was the best at what he did. You know. Oh, definitely. So absolutely. So and probably the most friendly because I don't. I always hear stories about Stan Lee about being a really humble, noble guy. I don't hear too he many of those stories too. about other other big pioneers in comics. I don't. I don't hear the same, you know, stories like you hear about some other people where, you know, they they saw you somewhere and you came up to them and they're like, get out of here, you uh, know. Uh, if we had a time machine to go back to as kids to think how many classic books we had that we bought for like a dollar, don't make me cry, a dollar thirty nine or seventy five cent of what they were back then. Please. Like, like I'm, I'm still kind of pissed that I literally years ago had, you know, the Walking Dead issue number one in my <laughs> possession. And I think, because I used to, way back in the day, especially when I, I think because I like broke away from comics a little bit when I got into high school. So I used to read them and then give them, oh, give oh, them that, away that, to people. That was because you were trying to get the chicks? You trying were... to get the ladies, which didn't work <laughs> out because I had, uh, was going through puberty, so I had crazy acne and stuff, so it looked like a hideous beast. But... I, I remember, like, I, 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 I was reading comics off and on in high school, especially Marvel comics, but, like, after I would read them and then give them away. I would just love to have a time machine to go back and look at myself in high school to know what I gave away, because I don't remember, like, you know, like, I could have been giving away, like, some fucking fantastic Amazing Spider-Man issues now that are probably, like, ah, timeless classics. Mm. Well, I, I with that, I, I think um, you know. Uh, n- I think enough enough said about you know the wonderful things that okay, we. Okay, Stanley puns. I would, yeah, you enough like that. Said. <laughs> enough said on uh, what what amazing things that this man did for our lives personally. Um, we had a few segments that we wanted to bring up and talk about. Uh, one was the first. The first one, both me and Ronnie, we we have no idea which one of our you know we both sat here before the show. 
show, and we came up with top five Stan Lee cameos. Because one of the great things, Stan, for anyone that might have been born, you know, in the late 90s or early 2000s, you probably remember Stan Lee based on he's that old guy that appears in all the Marvel movies. <laughs> he's that old movies. guy with the tinted shades. Yeah, it always appears in the Marvel movies. Oh, or Spider-Man's dad, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Um, so when he was in those movies, he's... He's credited to be in what was the number? It was over fifty Marvel, fifty-seven Marvel movies in general. Wow, that's and, uh, and he did cameos and other things, but Jesus, like fifty-seven. That's he's that's definitely a, a staple within pop culture. But speaking of just those um, those particular Marvel movies, Ronnie and I combed through all of those movies and we picked out for ourselves top five, you know, possibly six. Of the top Stan Lee cameos, not in any particular order, but uh, I'll let Ronnie go that, first. Just ones that stood out. How about we go back and forth? I'll do one. That okay, you, do one. you got it. You got it. All right. So the the one of the first ones I'll say, which actually is one of my favorites, is from actually the Fantastic Four movie. Really? The, not not that terrible one they made recently. The Josh Trank garbage. Not that one. Oh, okay. But the uh, Yoda ones. Um, so in that one, there's a scene where Reed Richards and Susan Storm are getting married, and Stan Lee is trying to get into the wedding, but he is not on the list. I truly <laughs> and he's forgot like, about that one. He's like, I'm Stan Lee, and they're like, Yeah, okay, buddy. Like, and then and he doesn't get into the wedding. That's a pretty awesome cameo for me. You're up. I think that's amazing. Um, let's see. My, again, in no particular order, um, I have to go with Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, in which he... Ah, I don't actually remember that one. You, you don't got to talk about that again? one. Yeah. Okay. Memories getting a little you, faded. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember a scene where uh, Spider-Man is going around basically waiting for Tony Stark's call, and he's going around just stopping bad guys, but he mistakenly stops a guy who's trying to break into his own car, and he's like, webs the dude and like slammed his head in the car and like he's like oh what are you doing man he's like you're trying to break into the car he's like it's my car and he's like I'm so sorry and Stan Lee looks out the window and is just like what are you kids doing down oh, there like the noise. Right. and the lady okay. across the hall is like oh what's going on she's across the way and he's like oh hey like he's like trying to talk to the <laughs> oh, lady yeah, that's right. that was again that <laughs> was just that. that was classic because it's again that's you know in my mind and many fans mind it, that's Stan Lee that's uh, Spider-Man's dad so it's <laughs> yeah. like you know look at, you know grandpa yelling uh, you you go, sir. Alright, what was my next one I want to do? Okay, my next one's from Spider-Man 3. There's a scene where Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire, is standing and he's looking at a marquee. And I think, the, I forget what it exactly said on the marquee. Spider-Man will be given the key to the city. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I've, I've seen all okay. these, trust me. And he's like kind of basking. He's, he's kind of taken in. You know, the success that he's garnered from being Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then Stanley walks up next to him and he says, I guess one person can make a difference. <laughs> and I'm like, well, enough said. Yeah, that's like, that's another one of my favorite ones. Well, that makes a lot of sense because like he, he truly, that for me says a lot because Stanley not only embodied, um, you know, what these characters uh were about like I think that was one of the things that uh, I remember I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit but I remember in one special that they talked about Marvel characters versus DK, ZC characters and this has always stuck with me for my entire life and something that Stan Lee said was that um, the difference in Marvel characters and DC characters is mainly that most of the 
characters, if not all of the you know major characters, whether it be villain or heroes, are typically victims of circumstance. Like you know, again, there was the atomic age where you know you had all these science experiments like Captain America or Daredevil with the splash in the eyes or the radioactive spider. But it was always sort of something that happened, as opposed to like I don't know, my parents get killed, some bats, sh- you know, I fall down a well, some bats show up, and then I decide to take up the mantle. And that's kind of the you know idea behind a lot of the DC characters, which is they decided to become the protector of these cities because they were granted you know with these particular gifts, or just decided based on some tragic some event. Some tragic thing happened. You know, to him. so but if he would have went home last but that night with his parents fine, he wouldn't have become bad. Correct. You know, or if Superman, you know, if Krypton didn't explode, you know, it wouldn't have happened. But that's because that's you know the the. Stan Lee's characters have real problems like Spider-Man, you know, when he's not Spider-Man, Peter Parker is trying to come up with the rent money. I will tell you one of the smartest things I think um, Stan Lee did that uh, helped to solidify what the success of the Marvel movies are now and what created the blueprint for them. Good storytelling? Good storytelling is one. (laughs) He was a great storyteller. But two, I think what what it really boiled down to was that he grounded these characters in our world. Spider-Man is from New York, you know, Queens, Captain America's from Brooklyn, you know, Doctor Strange is down, you know, in a different or, you know, Daredevil's in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, You know, they're all over the world that we currently exist in and I think that was where, you know, they really got to edge up on the DC But like I said, like I was just saying, they also deal with real life problems that people can relate to. Like, how many people can relate to not having enough money to do something like you well, yeah, it's ha- there's no stories with Batman like oh my god how am I I got a date with Mary Jane and I got uh, how am I gonna go on this date and pay my rent at the same time so what I will say to that and in, 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 in just to play devil's advocate and I know we're talking about Marvel and DC but it goes back to Stanley's quote um, playing devil's advocate I feel like DC's characters uh, represent bigger things than just simple day-to-day issues. Like Marvel's characters, kind of deal with day-to-day issues. Like one of the when I got when I got back so into people, people love things that they can relate to. Though. Correct. It's on a more it's on more ground level because there's more people dealing with how. Not am I saying pay that I don't rent? like the DC stuff because I love the DC stuff too. No, no. What I'm saying is. It's it's more it's grounded in the sense of an everyday average Joe. While you know things like Batman and Wonder Woman and Flash, they represent sort of higher things like you know hope and peace that's probably and what, depression what DC was and you know, going for. They wanted you know bigger something, They wanted something stuff. on a grander scale. You know, and they, they, that's what they always thought of. You know, these things that represented these bigger ideas, uh, which is great. And there's there, those ideas. They continue to over year, years carve it down and make it a that, little that's bit. It's kind of funny. It still makes me think about Marvel because you said that, and I'm thinking about Nick Fury when he was like, "There is an idea." Yep, <laughs> is an that idea. brings it right back tomorrow. It, it, and to, to be, just look at the the number of characters that Stan Lee has created. Um, a Job, lot of them. No, don't forget about the jobs he's created. The jobs we thousands. got a whole MCU full of you know, and not and beyond the actors, but the directors, camera crews, like Ryan Coogler. Like uh, think about it, like he's put Ryan Coogler on the map. He's put Chadwick Boseman on the map, like being playing these iconic characters like Black Panther and stuff like that. Like, yeah, this guy is helping out everybody. 
he definitely he, he definitely gets you know the the praise for you know creating such you know wonderful characters lo- lovely toys to play with as uh, Joker says. Um, so I was on number two, so you oh. should be number three now. Three, okay. So my next one comes from one that I actually just showed you, which was Big Bang Theory, which is a hilarious one, and I got to give you a little brief summary of it. So, uh, so the, if if you watch the Big Bang Theory, you already know that it's an amazing show. So all the ca- all the gang finds out that Stanley is coming to their comic book store to do an autograph signing, which conflicts with the day that Sheldon has to go to court because he ignored a red light because of Penny. Literally, Penny takes him to court, and of course, Sheldon, being Sheldon, winds up insulting the judge, and he winds up having to spend temporary time in jail. <laughs> so to and then he misses the whole meet and greet signing event. So to cheer him up, Penny takes him to, she finds out Stanley's address, takes him there, and then Sheldon, misunderstanding sarcasm, when Stanley opens the door, Stanley's kind of annoyed that they just showed up at his house, and he's like, well, why don't you just come on in and watch the Laker game with me too? And then Sheldon says, okay, and he winds up going into his house. And then the episode ends with Sheldon coming home and bragging to the rest of his friends that he not only met <laughs> Stan Lee as well, but he also got a restraining order and gets to see him again because he has to go to court. <laughs> and then he, uh, and then the episode concludes with him saying like he's gonna put his signed autograph restraining order from Stan Lee next to his uh, his uh, restraining order from Leonard Nimoy, who ironically is also deceased now. So you know, like legends on legends. What a guy! I, I honestly. I mean, I, 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 I can't, I have not, and, and I know that I can be striked down for this, but I have not yet uh, watched uh, Game of Thrones nor Big Bang Theory, and I know that there's someone cringing right now, and I do apologize about that. <laughs> um, there have just been so many other shows that I've been uh, on, so I, I can't watch them all at the moment, but one day I will, I, I assure you, that we'll get to it. But, yeah, um, just uh, brush off the cobwebs off that box set. Yeah. Uh, it will certainly happen. So my my third uh, top Stan Lee cameo uh, was none other than the the one from uh, one of my favorite Thor movies, which is Thor Ragnarok. Uh, in that movie, do you remember what what cameo he what he played in that movie? Uh, what what did it have something to do during the scene with Loki? What scene with Loki? You know where uh, they found out that like he's been Odin this whole time and. Yep. No, damn it! I don't remember that one either. So he played something significant. It's when uh, Thor is actually on—he's um, on the Grandmaster's planet. I can't remember at this very moment. Um, he's on that planet, and they have him sitting in the chair, and he's preparing him to fight the champion. And they bring him into the room, and they, he's like, "You know, you were not—he's—he's he's like, oh, well, you—you can't go fighting the champion looking like that." So he brings him in to get his hair cut. And the person who oh, has the clippers right. is Stan Lee. And he's like shaking. shaking right? And he's like, no, no. <laughs> and I find that to be amazing because uh, it's one of the many times that they allow Stan Lee to connect back to um, one of his characters, uh, which is so amazing that that change was very significant for Thor. You know, they, they cut off the, the blonde hair to kind of go with the new, the new Thor, which they created within the Thor Ragnarok movie. Which actually comes uh, back to Kevin Smith again, because I think he inspired some of the things in that movie 
from uh, his podcast. Yeah, from his podcast. So I think he it. mentioned like, you know what they should do? They should chop they his should, hair they off. Should, he should just lose the lose the hammer and the hair. <laughs> they actually did that. They did each one of those, and I think Chris Chris Helmsdorf actually might have given him a little bit of credit for that uh, before. But uh, I think that's just one of my favorites because I love the ones that connect back to characters that he had something to do with um, in creating that. I mean, there are so many, but you know, just allowing him to be the one to you know talk, give it like like you said in uh, Spider Man Three for him, Spider Man's you know. Um, otherworldly dad to give him advice like well I guess you know kind of confirm and I wonder if that was that surreal or crazy for him too to be standing you know like ah, so many questions I wish we could ask this man but just thinking about the fact like the first time he was on a movie set looking at somebody dressed as a character he created oh (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that, like, he goes all the way back to the original ones with Lou Ferrigno. If anybody remembers the original Captain America movie and the Spider-Man and that terrible uh, Fantastic Four that they had many years ago. Not the one with, um, Not the one with uh, Jessica Alba. Alba the, the even one, though that one was there, okay, that, that too. That one was okay. But, but, it yeah, didn't that, seem like it belonged we'll to any. say the other one didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't seem like it belonged in a universe, but it definitely did, you know, surpass the most recent one. Um, hey, how's it going? And, uh, wait, so that was my third one. What is your, what's your fourth one, good sir? All right, this one is, is a quick and simple one, but it's from the first Avengers movie, and it takes place like, all the way at the end of the movie, and it's literally like they show a bunch of TV screens, just like when the heroes are saved the day. This. And and Stanley's sitting on a park bench on like a television. And he turns around and he says, "Superheroes in New York." Yeah, like, and I just thought that was so. Fun. It's funny for uh, more than one reason too, because like I feel like uh, most seniors, most seniors, kind of have that reaction to a lot of <laughs> things in life where they're like, "Ah, about stuff." But also the fact that, like, he made, created so many characters that are based in New York. So that was, like, a kind of an irony pun for him to be, like, Absolutely. superheroes in New York. Like, Who you know, you got Dick, such a Dick, nonsense. Daredevil, Spider-Man. He got so many that he, uh, Captain America, that come from New York City. Uh, I, lo- I love that one. Plus, the first Avengers probably is my favorite. And Out of the entire uh, series? Probably because it's the first one. That mm. scene with the Hulk, where they're all together, I, I might have just goosebumps. I might have had to change pants. Too. Just goosebumps. I'm as you're talking about it right now, good friend. And I got uh, to see, and no one else knows this, but I like got to see the movie before most of the rest of the world. If you remember, I saw that movie like a couple days before it actually came out. I used to work at the movie theater, and and shout out to my old boss. Uh, I remember he like uh, we were trying we were programming that's back when uh, the movie projectors first went to digital and we were trying to program the key to find out if we could watch Avengers and he was like ah the key didn't work or whatever so like all right so he was like I'm gonna close up here you go home and back then I used to live in Newark and like I had to come it was probably maybe like 30 minutes from my job Mm -hmm. I get halfway home and my cell phone starts ringing. I pull over, answer my phone, I'm like, oh, like, because it's my job. I'm like, what's going on? He called me, something happened. He's like, um, so the key, I got the key to work. You want to come back and watch the movie tonight? <laughs> Mind you, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm, I was a little tired, and I don't know if, like, 
I don't know if it was like a jolt of just <laughs> excitement, but he tells me this. So wait, so two o'clock in the morning, you want me to come back to the theater and watch the first Avengers, which doesn't come out until like a week from now, and we can watch it tonight. I turned around so fast. I think I might even have ran a couple red lights, and we watched <laughs> that movie that night. And I think I saw it after that. I think I saw it about four times when it first came out. Literally, there was one time where I came out of a showing and went right into another showing. I've seen the first Avengers uh, right around that time, like five or six times. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but you, after staying up super late to watch that movie, you came out my job the next morning. And it was funny. You came on. You came on my job. Yeah, you came on my job the next morning, and you were like telling me like, "Hey, I uh, watched Avengers last night," and I was just like, "So, what do you think?" And he's like, "You want me to tell you?" And I was just like, "Yeah." And he's just like, "You saw the trailers. You know, you probably don't remember this." It's like you saw the trailers, right? And I was like, "Yeah." This was back in the day where I watched every clip, every feature at every TV which, spot. Which I watched everything. Which you don't do anymore. Which, they yeah, spoil they, they give away too much stuff nowadays. But back then. Which was what, like six years ago? Um, he was you. Hit your exact words to me were, "What you saw on those TV spots, that ain't nothing." And that's and that, that was just and like, that's, wait, what? That's how a, and that's here. how a good movie with a great story should be. It should be like, oh, this doesn't even hold a candlestick. You mean like Infinity War? Like we've seen all the TV spots. We've seen all the TV spots. When you watch that movie, it was bigger than life. (laughs) (laughs) So, and and that's how it should be when you're watching a blockbuster film. I think when we were younger, I think uh, another movie that did that for me was probably Terminator 2. Like, Mm. I felt like we were, it felt like what are we watching? This movie is amazing and it's only been (laughs) on for like 10 minutes. Like, yeah, thinking about the Infinity War for a second, it's like the movie was on for like five minutes, and it was already amazing. Yeah, you're thinking to yourself, and they, and they set you up right then and there, not to not to go off track too much on this amazing movie. Well, well, you heard us. But technically, it's, it's it's Marvel, so we're not yeah, off we're, track we're at still, all. We're it's still like, on track with Marvel, but I, I I just think about we're watching this movie, and it just starts off just. Wait, there's no sound. What's going on? They're playing the Marvel logo, and they just let you know right away, this is a different movie right away. But, you know, talking about the Avengers, and it is related back to Stan, because, hey, Stan is one of the creators. He is the creator of the of the Avengers. I just want, before I, before I mention... Um, before I mention my fourth one, uh, again, I, I, I just want to, you know, take this moment out to uh, say, you know, our prayers are with all of the, you know, remaining family members and anyone who was very close to Stan Lee, because uh, a guy like that does not simply just, you know, come, uh, in, you know, uh, come and go. If I, if I can you be know. ghetto for a second, you know his funeral going to be lit. That shit gonna be. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of people. Dude. How many statues are they gonna make stuff standing? Oh, uh, they gotta make a statue of him somewhere, like the Rocky statue. Oh, absolutely. They gotta make it somewhere. Uh, Where would, would you put it? Oh, New I York. Oh, I don't know. In maybe New York somewhere. Maybe just the new Marvel land that they're building with. with well, on Disney? they gotta put it there, but I would think that you would do something iconic with Spider-Man and put it like somewhere in New York somewhere. Oh, outside of maybe outside of the Marvel building. Yeah, like like or somewhere. It's on uh, Fifth Avenue. They yeah. should do something something cool. 
I definitely, I would definitely love to stop by there and see if they've done anything to like honor him outside of the building. Because um, honestly, if you've ever been to the Marvel Building, and, and I don't know if you've ever been there. That shit, oh, no, you, been. you have no idea it's the Marvel building because it's literally just like a building on the corner and you walk in and the shit looks like men in black because there's just an elevator and one guy sitting there at a desk, a security guard, and like, can I help you? And I'm like, uh, once I found out where it was, I was like, I'm going upstairs to Marvel. Funny enough, I had on, I, I, it's just a funny little like visiting Marvel as a fanboy, um, you know, story. And this was oh, way back. Like, I, I, And I can tell you... Uh, Something that's gonna happen that is gonna sell out. Uh, there, I heard it on the radio that uh, before his death, Stan Lee was working on one last Marvel character called Dirtman. So he what? was he was working on a new Marvel character that he plans on releasing called Dirtman, which uh, which his daughter actually plans to release like the first couple issues that he was working on. Mm. And I'm like. So you're talking about a book that's gonna have hundreds of nerds in line? Oh, okay. Oh, it's it's midnight midnight releases for that all day. People are gonna be sleeping yeah, out for it. Yeah, the superhero was called uh, Dirt Man. Wow, did they have it a was it was something that he was working on with his daughter. There's not many details about it, but like, I think they were like working out the kinks of his powers and stuff. Hmm, who knows with Dirtman you don't know if that's going to be a hero or a villain but you know it's, it's what's funny and what's so genius about this guy is like when I heard that on the radio I was like Dirtman like he can find like the simplest thing and make it like such a like Spider-Man when you think about it Spider-Man or even the Hulk like I, I wonder he said something once and this brings me actually to my, my last cameo which is oh wait I got one before you oh yeah yeah, okay. yeah. It, it, um he said something before that like made me think about like uh, some of. Well, I, I guess I'll save it for my cameo. You go, you go first. All right. So uh, my fourth cameo is one you may remember from uh, Avengers: Civil War, uh, in which uh, Stan actually played the FedEx guy. Uh, and yeah, he showed up, and one. he, you know, was looking for looking for a Tony Stank, and I was just like, oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> like it's just such a, a very simple little, uh, you know, change in one letter, and that really, you know, made all the difference. Um, and I, and that was just so so funny because we all know Robin Downey Jr.'s character as Tony Stark's is, you know, having a very high pedestal, thinks very highly of himself, and for somebody like Stan Lee, his creator, to just bring him down to. <laughs> yeah, like, such a level like Tony Stank and he's just like no you mean Stark no Stank he's just like yeah stanky attitudes Tony like yeah you know this and it's kind of funny because it's also in a, a Civil War movie because like technically in this movie Tony Stark is kind of the bad guy in that I, movie kind of kind of because like not a lot well, of people I think that's what we had a disagreement with that I'm like the dude killed his mom <laughs> or his parents but killed my mom but like, mom so <laughs> There was no uh, if his suit would okay. have been, if his suit would have been at full power, I think he would have killed Bucky and Kevin. But what you have to understand with this is that he he had a he made a bad decision, a bad call before oh, with the, that. Yeah, with the whole registration. The register the, the accords, oh, which yeah. you know, what's interesting. A, a side note, but it's also Disney and Marvel related. I was watching um, Avengers, uh, not Avengers, Incredibles 2 yesterday. Because I actually uh, fell asleep on part of that movie, so I didn't really? see it fully through. That's only because I've seen like a midnight show. I so. actually, and people might boo, I actually didn't think it was as good as the first one. 
There's no reason I to like move because it's the second one. I like the, I mean, so many years later. I, I guess for me, and this probably goes back to just me being me and old age. I, once I found out who the screen slaver was, it brought the value of the movie down for me. I don't think it brought it down for I, me. For me, I'm like, I just thought that was... It could have been anyone else other than the sister. I just... It could have been a member of the other own fan. It could have made it Frozone, and I'd have been like, <gasps> But I felt like... I think it comes down it. to those points where... You know, one of the dangerous things, and this is just talking about like movies or like some fictional thing in general, it becomes dangerous when you can pull people into a movie based on a mystery. The mystery was who was Screen Slaver? Because we know that in the well, last. No. What, what, when it comes to that, and I'm sorry to cut you off, when it comes to that, when you pulling them in is cool, but the reveal should also be just as. <gasps> Oh, you know, it's like uh, like the first time like when I saw uh, Scooby Doo, when I saw Scooby Doo, and then the reveal of the villain being Scrappy Doo, I was like, oh my god! Like it was the last person I was thinking of, so it was like a cool reveal. This, it was like when they revealed who it was, I was like, oh, all right, that's how I was gonna use the bathroom now. I think it, it, I, I I think I agree that. Um, the reveal of who it was was not that great because for me personally, I guess that's for me just like watching movies over, over over the years of my life. But when I saw that character walk into the room, I'm like, that's a villain. Like it just it just screamed. <laughs> Sometimes like if you're watching stories long enough, you know you just kind of see that. You kind of see the little like you know sort of plot devices that go okay. This character here that's so like you know nonchalant and no one thinks anything of her, but she's still he or she is still connected to the main character. And it it just felt so good to watch that again and watch how a relationship was forming between her and Elastigirl. Um, and it was just like, uh, yeah, we could do this, girl. All right, yeah. And I'm thinking of stuff like, she's a fucking villain. Like, it was almost like if I Batman... Guess. it was just like... It was yeah. like if Bruce... If it was like Bruce Wayne and freaking the Joker were, like, talking and like, ha, 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 like... But he didn't know he was Batman or whatever. And he's thinking, like, I'm gonna go do this bad thing. Like, you go do that! And then he shows up and kicks his ass later. Like, what? How did Batman know I was doing this? It's like, because he turned out to be that. Now, I think, like, for me, I, maybe, like, something a cooler, and I'm not shitting on the writer, but I'm like, maybe, like, a cooler thing that could have happened in that screen slaver thing, and then we'll get back to Stanley, mm-hmm. was, like, maybe with the reveal of screen slaver, could have been their dad, who didn't actually die. And it's like, oh, it's like not only a shock to us, but it's a shock to the the, the siblings too, because they thought their dad died all of these years ago. You know, and then him explaining yeah. like some cool way why he did what he did. Like, whoa, there you go. There's a bit more. I, to I me, it, did, it didn't, okay it didn't have like a shock factor. I think that it, it was like of- it was like me telling you that uh, we're going to McDonald's after this, but uh, they're out of they're out of buns. You'd probably be a little disappointed, but I guess we'll go to Burger King. Here, here's what, here's what I, I, I got from the movie, watching it a second time. That movie was not about that little episode of the villain that was going on. That movie was more so an in-depth look, a, a more in-depth look at the kids and the relationship of the family. That, to me, was the biggest part of this movie that, to me, held it together. 
obviously, it's nothing compared to the first one because the first one is literally the greatest Fantastic Four movie you're ever going to see. That's never going to happen. No, that's like, not that's true. A, they will definitely you're, make. You're it, never, they will definitely. You're make, never going to see a Fantastic Four movie that's better than The Incredibles. No, well, I don't know about that, but I do believe we'll see a good. Uh, I think you will Fantastic see Four a movie. good one, but we're never going to see one as good as the, the Cause, Incredibles. Because, because getting back on the subject of Stan and Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. I definitely believe that that's coming up in the works with but the same people that made Spider-Man Homecoming I feel them modernizing the Fantastic Four and making them younger and doing all that stuff I, I just see it I don't the writing I'm on okay the wall man I you can you just can see it and know that it's coming I agree um so what's your what's your fourth one, good sir? Fourth one, top. Well, We're talking our top five fifth. Stan Lee no, cameos. This is my fifth one, actually. This is your fifth one, okay? All right. So this one, I'm bringing it on home because this one actually connects. Uh, it's funny. It connects two things because like finding out who Stan Lee was and the first, first of all, the first one of the first Kevin Smith movies that I ever saw was Mallrats, which introduced me to Kevin Smith. Wait, that's on your list already. What do you mean? No, that's that's not what. What's Did your, I talk about that one? No, I, I didn't yeah, talk you about had, that you, one. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned that... Uh, oh, no, I mentioned it, but I didn't talk about it. Oh, okay, go ahead. But, yeah, right. So, so one of the first movies I saw with Kevin Smith was uh, Mallrats, which introduced me to Kevin Smith. Ironically, in the same movie was Sam Lee, which, you know, which I didn't know until the scene with Brody or whatever that, you know, like, that was the guy that, you know... Spider-Man and all of these things but I think more so in that I I was thinking like all the way back to that from now I'm like this guy also not only like made all these characters but he's also a guy who inspired so many different other um, like uh, what do you call it like in relationships and stuff what are you talking about like in in the movie Mallrats He's giving Brody advice on love. And I'm like, not only did he inspire people like to believe in yourself and you know, but he also inspired people to find love. But oh like getting back to my other point that I was making before, there's two stories that he told during that cameo that I wondered had some truth into him, but I guess we'll never know. Which is he talked about like uh, inspiration for the Incredible Hawk. And he was saying like during he was uh, he, that, at that time, he valued making these comics more than his relationship that he had with this particular girl. So he wound up losing the girl. So he was saying, like, when he made The Incredible Hog, it was because he was mad and it was rage. And he took that rage and he turned it into a character. And, you know, and I was just wondering, I wondered if there was ever any realness behind that. Like, did he really lose a girl to, you know valuing you know his life in comics over and it and did the inspiration for like incredible hawk and some other characters actually come from that you know to answer that scenarios. question sir you have to listen to kevin hart stan you stanley uh, uh kevin hart? i'm sorry uh not <laughs> kevin hart it's kevin smith uh the the, the white guy not the, <laughs> not the white guy kevin uh, hart. um 
you have to listen to his show because he actually does answer that question. Because he talks about when he cast to him and his choice of dialogue versus like his wife was on set and like he's had the idea. He was saying like I can't say that shit because like I'm gonna get like questions from my wife like about who's this one that got away that like you got into an argument oh, with really? or whatever. So it's just interesting that like it's not it's sort of made up dialogue and then they kind of added something in there to like add a joke to it so that everybody knows it's just like hey Stan Lee because he's playing himself so it's like Stan Lee is really giving real advice but at the same time he's kind of like joking and he doesn't want to like piss off his wife so it was it was beautiful in that sense that like over the course of their like really decades and decades and decades of a relationship which you know I pray I pray that you know I have a relationship you know half half that 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 length well I mean you've you know? already been engaged for like 10 years so I've been I'm pretty engaged sure for 10 that years. you know you have that I, I, I look forward to that I think it's something to uh, to aspire and that's just something you know really great about just watching the relationship that um, him and his wife had who we know you know she passed away before but he did but that's all kind of like old school. I don't know if that like like there are relationships that last a really long time, but I feel like that old school of like where he comes from, you know, back in the day to say to say that. Well love still know, like, is uh, still can last for a long no, time. No, I'm just saying like, you know, back it, it goes with the generation because like, you know, it, from his generation you'd find that one person and then, you know, You'd be, and then you check back with this person 40, 50 years later, and they were the same person. But here in 2018, it's like, oh, you're with, you know, you're with Joni uh, in January, and then you check back the following January, and you're like, who's this? This is Johnny. Like, oh, what happened with, uh, what, man, what, what, what happened with, uh, what's the name? Oh, she didn't like the same cereal choices. And it's like, what? Because <laughs> people break up over the stupidest things sometimes. It you you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I think oh you like buttering your popcorn? Oh, I can't be in a relationship with you. <laughs> I think people were choosy choosy back then too, but um, I do understand what you're saying in terms of like relate yeah relationships. Think about were, it like the structure of everything was different. Like back then, it was just like you know you you get you buy a house, get yourself a nice car, get yourself a nice girl, and that's my life forever. I'm not I changing may have anything. a few kids. Yeah, and, and I'm changing. I'm not changing. Now, now it's like two people. If you sneeze wrong, I want a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly, I certainly do see how that that could be. Um, I think my fifth one that I have is the one that's like a lot of times missed, um, but it's so so important. And I think the reason why I chose it to be the last one. Um, do you know who Watu is? Why does that sound like a character from Star Wars? It is a star- character from Marvel, which has a he has a very large head, and he is the Watcher. If you remember in Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy two, one of the after credit scenes. Oh, I know the Watcher. The of course Watcher. I do. First appearance in Fantastic Four number 13, 1963. Okay, and thank, I'm not and I'm not googling that thanks either. Thanks for just googling that because <laughs> um, he could barely spell it. So he was just like. Oh wait, can you spell Watu? It's without U-A-T-U. googling. You just Google that. <laughs> my hands are tied. I'm not even. I'm not even doing that. But it, tr- the reason why that I think that that not only was it amazing for him to be able to once again stand next to the character that he created even though it was CGI but I feel like it was the ultimate way of them saying that he 
is always with us. The Watchers are basically de- like Watu. That character's job as a Watcher was to watch over and monitor Earth. And, you know, whether you believe in the afterlife or not, you know, I think that, you know, he will basically eternally. Stan Lee has joined the Watchers at this point. He was he was essentially still a Watcher when he was get with, within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But also as a real man and as Stan Lee, he basically how how hands on was he within a lot of these different projects? We won't know. But we do know that, like, he wasn't directing anything. He wasn't, there's no Marvel cinematic movie that was in the last 10 years that he's like, oh, I'm the director on this. He might be in some, like, credits or, you know, he might have, you know, made a cameo here or there, which is interesting. Well, well think about this. This is how you know that uh, Stanley's not only an icon and a legend and his legacy will live on forever. Marvel Comics been around, and yes, I did Google this. Marvel Comics has been around for 71 years. Mm-hmm. And that's like somebody's lifespan, you know. Somebody lived to be seventy years old and passed away. So like, I'm pretty sure. Like, will that will that double? I wonder if Marvel will still be around seventy more years from now. I'm pretty sure it will. Well, let's ask Disney because they're <laughs> the ones that are keeping it alive and making sure that they get all the resources that they need. Like by the time we're old and gray, they'll be remaking Iron Man and. Ant-Man and all this stuff will be remade again. You think so? I think. I would say within the next ten years they're gonna. They'll be they'll be rebooting the Avengers movie. Absolutely. Time we're like seniors. And hopefully I'll be old and great. When we are seniors, I think we'll be on the third iteration of the Avengers. They're gonna probably still be doing this podcast. Uh, You do it, and (laughs) you can imagine that. Let's say you know, jump forward. Wait, Louis, could you imagine what kind of technology they'll have? Like when we're senior citizens. Oh, we'll just be thinking, and it'll just pop into the computer. This will be a thing of the past. It'll be like some other iteration that people come up with to to do, you know, to entertain people. Well, people will literally have holograms sitting on their table, and they'll be watching us as we, you know. you can watch the holograms live if you want to. (laughs) I think that would be pretty amazing. Um, Before, so that was my fifth one uh, with him being the watcher, because I think he will forever watch and monitor over the Marvel Universe, you know, going on to be, you know, in another, on to Valhalla as he has gone to join the the great gods in Odin. I actually have Um, a bonus one also. You have a bonus I, one, okay. It literally just popped into my head. Sure. I don't remember the, the scene, like, toe-to-toe, but it's from... Test the, me, go for it. It's literally in Iron Man, and it's when uh, Tony Stark mistakes uh, Stanley... Larry for Holmes. He, no, for Hugh Hefner. Remember, oh, he had two... Oh, that's two, right. uh, the first one, in the first one, he mistakes uh, Stanley for Hugh Hefner. Yes. Which is another guy. The other one was Larry King. I think that was Iron Man 2. I believe Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2, yeah. Uh, Because Stanley is dressed up. He's dressed like similar to Larry King. He has a similar hair. He's like, Uh, Is Larry King still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. Okay. Hugh Hefner is in. So rest in peace to Hugh Hefner as well. I'm like, wow, all these legends. And there's nobody alive that can't tell me that Hugh Hefner wasn't a legend. And a pimp. But that's a whole. But that's a whole. That's a whole another story. That's, that's for a whole another episode. That's for a whole another episode. Uh, one last thing I wanted to do. I just wanted to, you know, give people an idea of some of the characters that uh, were here. So I got a couple of things for Ronnie. Ronnie isn't even aware of this, but I have a few little like multiple choice uh, opportunities right, for him I'm ready. to I'm answer. I'm not even using Google. All right. So we're not going to use Google. <laughs> um, so. 
I'm gonna. These are some characters that you're aware of. You you named me about five heroes that Stan Lee uh, was. Uh, I, I said uh, Spider-Man, Hulk, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and X. Yeah. So we're gonna take those off the table. So um, out of these characters, which one of these characters did uh, Stan Lee not create? And I'm gonna name three characters, and I want you to let me tell me uh, which of these characters did he not create? No pressure so, here. A. Captain Marvel. B. Daredevil, and C. Bullseye. Hmm. So one of those characters he did not create. Two of them Captain that he Marvel. did. Is that your final, final answer, answer, sir? Captain Marvel. You were wrong, sir. He was responsible for. He was not responsible for Bullseye. Okay, that just seemed uh, like a character that someone else. You know what? I was thinking about Thanos, and I'm like, Thanos, he didn't create either. And I'm thinking about, for, all right, that's also in space, so maybe he didn't invent. All right, I'm going to give you another chance, good sir. I'm going to use villains this time. All right, so let's go. one of I these villains this. he did not create. Okay, right, you ready? See. Okay, so we got Doctor Doom, okay, Doctor Octopus, okay, and Hobgoblin. Hmm. Let's see. I'm gonna go with Hobgoblin. You think he didn't create Hobgoblin? Yep, final answer. Are you sure? Final answer. I'm going to give you <laughs> well, <now> you're <laughs> Because you're <laughs> right, sir. He did not create yeah, Hobgoblin. See? He yeah. created Doctor Doom All and right. Doctor Octopus. Very I'm good. not that off. All right, and one more villain question for you, good sir. For Dr. Stan Lee. Um, there are, like, we, we have, let's see. This one is very, very simple. So... This is once again. He says it's very, very simple. simple. And it's going to be super hard. Okay. So, which of these characters did he not create? And then we're going to go with. I'll let you choose villains or heroes. Uh. Heroes. Heroes. Heroes okay. for 300, Alex. Heroes. All right. That's a double feature. All right. So, we have Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Magneto. I'm going to go with Quicksilver. Is that your final answer, sir? Final answer. Why do you, let me just ask you, why do you choose Quicksilver? Because, uh, well, I don't want people to boo me, but it's a character that I'm not... That, that I don't really like that much, so I'm oh. hoping that he didn't create him. <laughs> well, so that was a trick question because he created all three of those characters, oh. so he is responsible for... Uh, wait, why do you think... Wait, you think he would make... Scarlet Witch, but not create. That's the whole. I literally just named a family. I yeah, named I know that, but that doesn't. But that doesn't always necessarily mean that. that Wait, you telling me he's gonna make Magneto and then not, then not, you not well, make because, the kids? Well, he's co-created a lot of characters with different people. So well, of somebody, course, somebody these else, these, somebody else could have made. Let me let me correct that. These are not all solo. These are definitely co-creations uh, for sure. Uh, and final, final one, final chance to get get your redeem yourself, sir. Um, here we go. We're going to go with one of these characters is not like the other, which is he did not create. So we got Green Goblin. We have the Vulture and Whiplash. Oh, God. Please tell me it's Whiplash. Please tell me it's Whiplash. Don't just go based on who you don't okay. like. Okay. Don't, <laughs> you I'm going to repeat it again. Green Goblin, the Vulture, and Whiplash. I'm going to say Green. I'm still going to say Whiplash. Are you sure? Yep. Final answer. So, that was once again another trick question because he actually created all oh three of God. those characters. Okay, so that so. would have been one I would have been like, if I would have known him, Whiplash would have been a character that Are I... Are you basing this on Mickey Rourke? Because, like, no, that's I'm not basing fair. it on characters I don't like. You no, just, 
I, because remember, I told you when I first found out that Whiplash was going to be the villain in that movie, I told you that I went to the comic book store and like went and bought some old issues with Whiplash, and I was like, he seems kind of lame. I'm sorry, Ronnie. When you sit here and say you like Omega Red, but you don't like Whiplash, it's like the, the well, dudes with well, whips. Well, the, first off, that's a way cooler name to begin it with. It is a pretty cool and damn name. And he looks way cooler. He does than look way so cooler. So there you go. He's got the Omega symbol on his head. <laughs> I can't I can't lie about that. But uh, that does uh, bring this tribute for uh, Stanley to an end. Uh, this has been uh, the Ronnie Markell Make a Podcast show. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. I got to leave him with one, one? with one more pretty awesome quote from the great Stan. Absolutely. The floor and is yours, sir. This can go with anybody, whether you're an artist or writer or whatever, but one of his famous quotes that I'm taking, which is, comics are stories. They're like novels or anything else. So the first thing you have to do is become a good storyteller. So that goes for whether you're an artist or a writer or even any other part of your life. Like You want to have that balance. And once you have that, you're good to go. I agree, sir. Very well done. I think that's the smartest thing you said, which is why (laughs) it's not your words. No, I'm kidding. But yes, I think that uh, was a very uh, great way to send this episode off. Uh, Again, Stan, thank you so much uh, for all of your contributions. Uh, We were very happy to see the next things. Uh, I know there's a there's I know there is no fear in our hearts about what Marvel's going to do next with all of the characters, whether it be in the comics or TV or any form of um, art medium, uh, we're very happy to see the next things because we know you left a legacy and a foundation that will last for decades to come. So you also left us Kevin Feige, so we're still. In I'm there. just saying though, I'm pretty sure <laughs> so, Kevin Feige was like his pupil, and so, he yeah, just so you you done you done done good, man. Kevin done Feige done is, is is on his way there for sure. Uh, he's definitely you know helped to orchestrate a a beautiful one of the I would again I think one of the greatest you know singular stories of of any you know uh, theatric of of anything of anything it's just so all of this one consistent thing that fans can just look at and go oh my god like you know all of these things granted not everything was great iron man 2 not everything (laughs) was great from the cinematic universe thor one yeah so but wait no actually i'm gonna say thor two yeah, Thor 2. Um, something about the twos, except for Captain America. That shit was dope. Winter oh, yeah. Soldier set the tone. Well, I for... actually like the first Captain America. Yeah, it was too. pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Uh, but with that said, we are going to bring it on home. Uh, I am Markel. And I am Ronnie. You can check us out on uh, all the different social media channels, whether it be Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, um, you name it, Facebook. Uh, you can check us out on, on Instagram and Facebook as Ronnie and Markel Podcast. Um, and check on the Twitter, out sir. On the Twitter at Ronmar Podcast. And on uh, Tumblr, you can check us out on uh, the Ronnie, Ronnie and Markel Podcast as well. I'm glad and you remembered that because I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and coming up very very soon again we are we are working hard behind the scenes right now to create some amazing content for you guys for the youtube channel so please stay tuned i know it has been a few episodes uh so definitely you know stick with us and we shall certainly give you the best content that we can and hey look no sponsors here but we're very not, happy not yet anyway. not 
yet, but we're very happy to provide you this free of charge. You can listen to this at your leisure. Um, if this is your first episode, go back and listen to some of our other ones. We have some great guests on there. Uh, you can listen to my conversation with Liam Neeson. You can listen to uh, my conversation with uh, Trinity. I forget her name. Carrie, Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss. I was going to say Carrie you Underwood. That's a Carrie to- Underwood. totally different That's a totally different person. You just listen to our interview with John Lehman, just to throw some names out there. Um, That's right. I got and, the interview, John Lehman. John Lehman, the man himself, um, and then you know so many others. The creator, the showrunner behind Young Justice uh, season three that's and coming up. We got up. some real, real good goodies coming up in the Ooh. future, but we ain't dropping names yet. We ain't gonna drop no names. All Not we're gonna yet. say, you know, is uh, it's, it's gonna be pretty good. So, uh, with that said, I know I didn't really sell that very well, <laughs> but um, with that said, we're going ahead and take it home the same way we always do, which it says, we I, I say. Uh, eat your prayers and say your vitamins. And, and for, you, for me, on this episode, I'm going to say Excelsior. Excelsior, young true believers. 